Hello, my name is Tom Stokes, and I'm the CEO and founder of Operation Strong Mind. And this is a second in a series of podcasts conducted by Operation Strong Mind. Our intent is to raise awareness about the challenges faced by members of our military community within the context of culture and social connection. I'm going to call this the human beings behind the uniform. And with me today, I have Debbie Sutton, who is the spouse of a veteran and is also a veteran herself. And I'm going to ask you to introduce yourself right now, Debbie. Hi, um, this is Debbie Sutton. It's nice to be with you today. And Debbie, again, is a veteran herself and has a spouse who is a veteran. And uh, we're going to talk to Debbie in relation to her experience as a family member of a veteran. Sir Winston Churchill said during World War II, never in the field of human conflict was so much owed by so many to so few. And he was referring to the ongoing efforts of the Royal Air Force and other Allied aircrew who were fighting in the Battle of Britain. The pivotal air battle with the German Luftwaffe during World War II was a key battle that turned, helped turn the tide of World War II in favor of the Allies. Today we have less than one-half of one percent of the eligible population in the United States currently serving in the military. And just as the RAF did during World War II, this small group of people carry the load of responsibility for the rest of our country. As a result, veterans and other members of our military community can feel as though we are members of a separate culture. This culture is not understood by mainstream civilian community and results in a cultural disconnect that can lead to feelings of loneliness, isolation, and anonymity. Debbie, as the spouse of a veteran as well as a veteran yourself, can you describe some aspects of your experience that you believe are significant for our listeners to understand? Yeah, sure. I have been um, a military spouse for 22 years. Um, my husband is in the Army. He's a Master Sergeant in the Army, and he has been in for 28 years, and he is still in. Um, so he's he, he does not at this time have plans of, of getting out. So, you know, he's, I don't know how long he's going to plan on being in, but so far 28 years. Uh, we met actually when we were in the army, we were in the same reserve unit. Um, and we started dating back in 1999 and that's when we, we got engaged. Um, and then nine 11 happened. Um, I found out pretty quickly after 9-11 that I was getting deployed. Um, so we fast-tracked our our wedding, our marriage, I guess you'd say, because we really didn't have a wedding. Um, we got married on a Friday, and I left on a Monday. Uh, so we, ne we never had a wedding. We never had a reception. We never had a honeymoon, any of that. Um, I went to Fort Gordon, Georgia, he ended up going to Carlisle Barracks, PA, so we were both deployed for a year. So that whole first year of our marriage, we were separated. So that was the first hardship <laughs> that we endured. 
um, due to the military. Um, and then after that year, we returned. Um, shortly after our return, we had our daughter, who's now 19 years old. Um, everything was going great. Um, again, we were our first deployment. We were both stateside. It wasn't. It was. It was hard, um, but it wasn't overseas. And then right before my daughter went into kindergarten, um, my husband deployed to Iraq for a year. And that was that, that year was um, probably the hardest year of my life. Um, I was a single mom who worked full time and I didn't have we didn't have any family um, in the area. So I had to hire babysitters um, to get her on and off the bus while I was trying to work. Um, and then I remember I didn't get to talk to him that often during that year, but I do remember when I would talk to him, I would hear explosions in the background. Um, so I never knew when I, when I spoke to him, if it was going to be the last time that I would, that I would talk to him. So that year was, um, extremely difficult for both of us, for myself and my daughter. And then a year went by, and thank God he did return safely. Um, he was different after the deployment, um, and then we kind of had a reintegration period where uh, we both had changed during that year, um, and then to try to get back to, to regular life was different. Um, he he had, uh, I noticed right away he had some some issues when it came to being in crowds and around people. He did not like being around people. He did not like being uh, in crowds. He was constantly on guard. He did not like loud noises. Um, so it was it was tough. It was a it was a process to to integrate back to civilian life for him. And and honestly, I don't know if if things ever get back to normal for these for these. Um, these men and women who go overseas and have to fight and, and, and risk their lives. I don't know if, if it's ever possible for them to get back to normal. Thank you, Debbie. Uh, in the military, we, uh, especially in my experience, we experience transitions. And the way I think about transitioning is that it is a lifetime, a lifelong sustained effort for both veterans and family members. So thank you for sharing that. Normally I ask people about the five W's in terms of relating to veterans. Who did you serve with? What did you do? Where did you serve? What made you join? Why did you join the military? And what units were you with? So thank you. You've kind of answered those questions in your um, your discussion uh, a few minutes ago. In my experience, veteran veterans' family members, extended family members, and others who are members of a veteran social network are what I call the forgotten population. Debbie, can you share your thoughts on this concept? Yeah. Um you know, you have to remember that <clears throat> military members that are returning, especially from a, a, an overseas deployment, 
they are changed forever. Um, they are different than other people that are in the, just the general civilian population. I think they feel isolated. Um, they feel alone. The military culture is a lot different than the civilian culture. And it's, it's, it's hard for them to, to come back and try to integrate into civilian life. Okay, thank you. What effect has your husband's service had on you? And has your husband's service influenced your values and views? And if so, how? It's given me a great, great deal of respect, appreciation, and admiration for anybody that's ever served. Um, people have to understand these, you know, these, these people volunteer to risk their life to be shot at for our freedom, and that's a big deal. You know, we can sit at home in the safety of our living room and watch on TV some things that are going on overseas and be safe because of these few people. Um, and so I just have a great deal of respect. And, and I always, if I ever see anybody out now, um, and even my daughter too, uh, we if we know that somebody's a veteran or has served, we always thank them for their service now. Okay, thank you, Debbie. Debbie, what, if anything, would you like the American public to do differently in relation to our veterans and other members of the military community? I would just like them to understand that um, it is difficult for people in the military to come back and try to live a normal life. Um, I just think that I just I wish they would appreciate and understand the sacrifice that's involved with uh, the member, the service member, as well as the family, because um, the families have to sacrifice, you know, almost as much as the service members, and it's 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 just not easy. Yes, in my experience. Um I have the mindset of when a person joins the military, the family joins too. Yep, that's, that's exactly right. Okay. In our prep up for this podcast, you mentioned that you have something significant that you'd like to share with the listeners. Yeah, so I, I, have, I had a friend um, that I served with. We were in the same unit um, when right after I first joined, and then we were also deployed together to Fort Gordon uh, for a year, and we became really good friends. And he was just the happiest person you would ever know, just um, a great, upbeat, positive person that everybody looked up to and would go to, for to for advice. And he um, he was deployed with me for a year, and then he came back. And right around the same time that my husband went to Iraq, he also went to Iraq. And when he came back from Iraq, again, different. Um, but you you wouldn't know that you know things were bothering him so bad. 
Now that was almost 20 years ago that he that he had come back from Iraq and just this year he took his own life. And he had a wife and two children. And the fact that it was 20 years after that deployment that he took his own life, I just I want people to be aware of that it's just not you don't come back and after a few years you're you're okay. You're not. You're never okay. And, you know, they say time heals all wounds, but it in this case it doesn't. Thank you for sharing that, Debbie, that um, really affected you in a very significant way. And, again, that transition, in my experience, for our veterans and family members is, is lifelong, and it is a something that takes a sustained effort. People talk about the term the military-civilian gap, and it's this huge divide between civilians and our veterans, and, it, and we talk about the effects that it has on those who serve and our military families. It can lead to loneliness, isolation, and anonymity. The late Dr. Paula Kaplan used the term soul-crushing isolation to describe what some veterans experience while trying to function in civilian society. Can you share your thoughts about that concept, Debbie, and what should be done about it? Yeah, um, sure. Again, the military culture is entirely different from the civilian culture. And I luckily, I, I understand that because I was in the military, but I think if I was just a civilian spouse, um, I, I might even have a little difficulty understanding that soul-crushing, but it's it's a completely different atmosphere when you're in the military and when you're in the civilian world. Um, it's a different mindset. Um, I think that the, the 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 military members feel alone because the people all around them don't really understand them. They don't understand what they're thinking. They don't understand what they've gone through. I think the uh, the service members feel alone and misunderstood. And because they're only less than 1% of the population, they're surrounded by people that don't understand what they're going through, what they're thinking. Um, and I, I think it's, it is very lonely for them. Okay. Do you have any thoughts about what we should do about it? I think there should be more programs to help military members and their families. Um, I know I, the, I know one of the problems with, uh, with them getting help is the fact that a lot of them are too proud to go and get help. Also, I know that's a problem. I know especially in the, the male population of the military, a lot of them won't admit that they have a problem or um, won't just they just won't go get any help and they and because and, and they push it down they push it down so they might not even know that they need help um i wish i could come up with an answer on how to fix it um i don't have any brilliant suggestions but i do know that there needs to be more done for um for service members and also for their families to help 
with all of this. What impact do you think military service has had on you, your daughter, and anyone else who are members of your social context? Uh, the, the impact it's had on me is uh, it's definitely made me a stronger person. Um, you know, the more adversity you go through, I do believe, the stronger you get. And we as military families deal with a lot more issues than the normal civilian family, um, more adversity, more emotional trauma than the civilian population. So, um, you know, even my daughter, she that she was in kindergarten when her dad was deployed for a year, you know, and she really needed him during that time. And that, that, that affected her too. Um, I, but I, I also think it, it made her a stronger person. Um, so I would say that that's, that's the main thing that, that came out of a lot of this. Okay, thank you. Do you believe that as a military spouse you are part of a separate culture? And you've answered some of that, but I'd like to see if, ask you if you could share some additional thoughts about that concept with our listeners. Um, as a spouse, I would say it, I, I would say I, I felt more separated um, during the year that, that he was deployed as than I do now. Um, I have very strong faith, and that's what gets me through a lot of things. And um, but I would say the separate, the separate and isolated feeling was during he, the time that he was deployed, because the regular um, spouse of a civilian would have no idea how I felt on a daily basis and what I was going through. Okay, thank you. Now we are going to shift our discussion to what is out there. And what is out there refers to the support for our military community that, it cur that currently exists specifically veterans service organizations and some others. These organizations, the American Legion and the VFW, are supposed to be go-to places for veterans and family members. And that includes me. I'm a combat veteran and a lifelong member of the VFW and a member of the American Legion. Debbie, you're a member of the VFW Auxiliary, and your husband is a member of the VFW. Can you describe your experience as a member of this organization within the framework of culture and connection? And talk about what they do well and not so well from your viewpoint, and what, if anything, should they do differently? Yeah, I've, I've been a member of our local VFW for probably 15 years. Um, I've been to other VFWs. I've been to some American Legions. Um, and I can speak, like I know our VFW has some really nice programs on Veterans Day and on Memorial Day where they honor veterans um, and have really nice events and dinners and all that for them. But any other day of the year, um, it's more uh, a social club when you walk into uh, one of those places on a day that's not a recognizing, specifically recognizes veterans, I would say um, there's way more social members in there just 
you know, there to drink than as a, you know, than there are regular members, military service members. Um, you know, so any given day you'll go in there and there might just be one or one or two or zero military service members in there. So I think it's become they've they've all become more of a social club than than a place where service members can go to find um, a common ground or to find a friend or that they can go for camaraderie. Um, so I do believe that it's not anymore what it was set up to be. Um, and I do know they have a problem with getting enough military members and that that is why they have to reach out to social members. But I don't think it's anymore what it was set up to be, a place where, you know, a service member can go and feel safe and talk to other service members. That's key for these guys. You know, they feel safe talking to somebody like themselves, um, somebody that's been through what they've been through. And that helps them. That really helps them to not push all this stuff down. And, you know, when you, when you walk in there and there's nobody that's like you that you go in there to talk to, then that's not really serving, serving the purpose. Um, I wish there was more programs that they had where the, the military service members court could be involved with um, to get help, to just even just to talk, just to talk to one another. That's a huge help for them. Um, I, I wish they had more programs like that, but I, I don't know of any. Okay, thank you. Now I'm going to ask you one final question. If you were on a stage in front of the entire population of the United States and could say one thing about your husband's military service, what would it be? I would just tell him how proud I am of him um, for his selfless act of serving his country for 28 plus years. And I would thank him for being the best husband um, that anybody could ask for and just the pride that I have for what he's done for his country for this long and doesn't even have plans to get out yet. Um, I'm just so proud of him. Okay, thank you, Debbie, for sharing your thoughts with us. Part of our goal at Operation Strong Mind is to raise awareness related to the significant role social connection plays in the lives of members of our military community. We hope you will join us in our efforts to close that military-civilian gap and help our veterans and other members of our military community feel like a part of the country they sacrifice so much for. Thank you.